we are talking about a comic book, which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Welcome everybody to episode 94 of the Trade Secret 94? Yeah, 94 of the... No, 95. 95 of the Trade Secrets oh, Podcast. Yeah. Wow, we're in episodes and lots of stuff. Really? What's um, that? <clears throat> this episode we are going to be talking about... No, it's episode 94. I was right. Haha. <laughs> Andy's wrong this time. I got it right. Um, today we're talking about... We're going to be talking about Alex and Ada. It's a... Uh, comic book by Jonathan Luna and who's the artist? Who's the artist? God damn it. Come on. So uh, I thought Jonathan Luna was the artist. Mm-mm. Jonathan Luna's the writer, I thought. Maybe I'm I wrong. He was both. No. He's definitely not both. It looks a lot like girls. <sighs> Let mm-hmm. me look. Oh, for fuck's sake, you POS. Jesus Piece fucking. of shit for listeners at home. <laughs> Go to. I just want. I just want Andy to like say that for every acronym on the show. I dare you, <laughs> Sarah Vaughn. So it's Jonathan Luna does story script. Illust- oh, okay, it's written by Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn and illustrated by Jonathan Luna. Bam! There we go. No, my artists, my drawers in Jolie's. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I knew that it looked kind of like his art. I just didn't. I, whatever. Uh, so yeah, we're we're talking about Alex and Ada later. <clears throat> uh, before then, we're talking about stuff. Sad music. Yeah? Yeah. For what? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had something you actually wanted to bring up. That no, dude, my life's fucking great right now. Yeah. I'm getting married. <laughs> Congrats. Congrats. That's something we never thought would ever yeah, like, happen. Like, Jesus. F- five years ago. <laughs> after how badly you fucked up your last relationship, I mean. <laughs> I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, I mean, was it a fuck up or was it just like a flan in a cupboard like deflation? It was like a de- it was a deflation, definitely. Uh, oh. I told Micatron that you were marrying your Midwestern lover and he's like, Andy has a Midwestern lover? What? <laughs> <laughs> Got tired of girls from out here, so I imported one. Uh, yeah, right. They're so uh Seattle freezy here. <laughs> I, I never had that problem. Yeah. I have so many ways I could go with that, but I'm just gonna let it go. Because that's the kind of mood I'm in. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. So, uh, Mad Max Fury Road came out, and everybody is freaking the fuck out about it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, my God. I'm not going to see it in theaters, uh, uh, because I'm just going to wait until it comes out on Blu-ray. Again, I, I would I would stringently tell you that that is a wrong decision, except that you have really good... Did we talk about Mad Max on the last show? No, was we didn't. It, it, I was you were like, say, I haven't seen it. And I was like, y'all should probably see that. Well, what I mean is... Okay, it was out by the last show. Yeah, it was. Okay, well then never mind. I guess we don't need to talk about that anymore. We can talk about the fact that uh, Universal Pictures is, or Universal Television is developing a uh, Wicked and Divine television show. Whee! We could talk and about how Tron is not going to have a third one. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate the dude in Tron, but... I liked And Daft Punk. Yeah. That was fun. I liked <laughs> Tron Legacy a lot. Like, I really like that movie. And I think that that's definitely a movie that people had out-of-line expectations for uh, the movie yeah. because everybody saw that movie and they, they were kind of like, oh, it's kind of stupid. I'm like, have you watched the original Tron anytime soon? I felt re- like recently? they were equally stupid. Yeah. The first movie, like, I love the original Tron. It is part of, it is an integral part of my childhood, but it's a dumb fucking movie and it is like it's got s- so many flaws but it's fun right like the, the thing it's is like flight of the navigator yeah right? it's, <laughs> the reason why I, I think it's good that they're leaving off with tron is because i could see it going sort of the like michael bay endless iterations of dumb bullshit right route and like we had an okay sequel let's take that okay sequel mm-hmm. and be okay with that see and and i I liked the new one because I thought that they uh, they did an admirable job of translating the visual style into modern special effects and yeah. making it be like, having it make sense and having it be like, okay, 
this definitely is a Tron movie, and it's kind of the Tron movie that everyone wanted when the original Tron came out, uh, effects-wise, but they just weren't capable of producing those effects back in the day. So, I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was good. I like the guy, the guy that directed it and the guy that did the the um, cinematography are also the same team that did Oblivion, which is an absolutely yeah. beautiful movie. Yep. Oblivion um, is super underrated and yeah. super worth watching. Yeah. That's, um, yes, it's got plotline flaws, but in a world where people can explain... I would say it has world-building flaws. It doesn't have plotline flaws. Yeah. Know. Yeah. In a world where uh, people can exclaim about how much they like uh, Independence Day, and then bitch about Oblivion having a problem with how they, you know, wrapped it up in the third act, eh, yeah. maybe there's a little bit of a double standard going on here. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't sign on for that much Tom Cruise. That, that's <laughs> well, that's the thing that the like Tom Cruise indie sci-fi shit has been really great mm-hmm. lately. Yeah. One of my favorite Edge sci-fi. Of tomorrow. Edge yeah. of Tomorrow is fantastic. One mm-hmm. of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time is still Minority Report. Yeah. Like that movie is great, um, and <laughs> fucking Peter Stormare is fantastic in that movie. I don't know why, but for some odd reason, for just like a split second, I was inter- like, I changed in Demolition Man with Minority <laughs> Report, and I was about to say, Luke, that was a fucking terrible movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I mean, I have a soft spot in my heart for Demolition. Man. Oh, so do I. You love Taco Bell. That's why. Mm. Yeah. Well, no, but. <laughs> It is cheese ball as hell, but I really enjoy that. That's that's a one of those movies that I enjoy regardless of the fact that it is it's clearly stupid. Oh yeah. And it's really dumb, but it's fun. Like that's, that's Wesley Snipes chewing the scenery as the bad guy is just is pretty fucking fantastic. I mean, that's a Sandra Bullock movie that I enjoy. Yeah. That's a big deal. <laughs> Did you like Gravity? Uh I didn't see Gravity. Oh really? Yeah. Well, if you ever want to, you should come over and watch it because it's yeah. it's worth watching at least once. I don't know that it's a movie that I would rewatch because uh, it's definitely like um, it, you w- once you've experienced it once, it's kind of you lose something for the for yeah. further experiences. That but makes sense. I, I heard Commander Hadfield liked it, and that's kind of a ringing endorsement. Yeah. Um, have you? been paying it all attention to so i have a doppelganger on the international space station who does nerdy shit all the time oh, yeah. it makes me so happy she had that she had her towel Clone. for international yeah, towel yeah, day yeah. yeah yes yes Samantha i have christopher Reddy, the italian astronaut dressed who is up like janeway effectively living my childhood dreams because <laughs> uh, i totally went through like a serious astronaut phase so i'm glad that she made that happen good job <laughs> um there isn't really a whole hell of a lot of other news in the in the industry right now. At least not the kind of news that we normally talk about. Like D- DC. Uh, oh, oh no. DC Please. did a dumb thing. Oh yeah, again. Go DC. Figure. They're rebooting Fifty Two. Yeah. Uh, well, no, yeah. that's not the. What, no, that's the, not it. The dumb no. thing that they're doing is that they're putting <laughs> they're starting to put half page ads on the same page as comic panels because fuck you Be- yeah that's what i love that doom rocket t- article dc puts house page ads on the same page as comics because fuck you that's why um it i i'm just like they've also done amazing pr moves like proclaiming how wildly diverse and interesting they are with posters with all white people yeah <laughs> i can't I'm just well, one's a blonde the other one's uh you know like a redhead yeah, crazy exactly. this guy's from oklahoma <laughs> well if they have redheads on their staff then they're definitely more diverse than fox news because yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah uh fox news is the best entertainment it's like unintentional like <laughs> it's almost satire at this point mm-hmm. self-parody yeah mm-hmm. they don't even realize it is the best part there are living, uh, no living one, Colbert characters. No one under the age of 60 takes you seriously. <laughs> the thing is, there probably are some people under the age of 60, but they're like the Duggars. Oh. Ah, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, yes. I, that might, might be the first mention of the Duggars on our uh, podcast. And I'm, I'm happy for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird because like, for us... The Jesus fucking Christ sirens. Uh, for us, like we, for we're constantly looking. <laughs> You'll never catch me alive, coppers. <laughs> uh, before the show, we're constantly looking th- for something to talk about as far as like comic book industry news, and it's actually been really like kind of boring lately. Mm. Um, DC fucked up again. DC <laughs> fucked up again. And there's, there's more new shows coming out. There's more there's, terrible TV shows coming out. There's more rapey stuff in Game of Thrones mm. that who cares? It was like, worse in the books. Um, 
cool different whatever <laughs> it's yeah still but meh like too much rapey stuff it's <laughs> here's okay so here's my thing about that right you need to know what you're signing up for when you're reading game of thrones and i know that it's gotten a very large following but what happened in the show that everyone's complaining about is toned down from the book so does it, make it, does it make it right no not necessarily right okay but, here's but wait let me finish I'm, hold on i'm gonna let you finish but <laughs> so it you know if you don't like the show don't watch it that's fair and a lot of people here's, have here's my only my issue my issue is not the thing that happened right so I'm going to throw out a spoiler warning for people in who are listening to this. In case you haven't read because, any of the 80,000 think pieces. Right. Um, basically, they combined Sansa with a, a secondary character named Jane. Mm. That in the books, Jane gets raped by Ramsay Bolton. And it's basically, um, she's she's only there for the, the, um, for the, for Reek's sake. Um, She's a fridge. A little bit, yes. So here's the issue is not necessarily that they translated that act to the screen. It's that they conflated, they combined a primary character and her very distinct storyline with a secondary character whose storyline had nothing to do with her and thus completely stripped the agency out of that main character and derailed her actual storyline that was leading somewhere she was doing stuff now she's in the fridge yeah so it's it's that's my real problem with it is the fact that they took um they took sansa's storyline and like sent it off on a on a path that it didn't need to go doesn't necessarily now that being said that being let me let me i'm gonna let you finish (laughs) (laughs) that that being said I don't think that the act in the episode should be judged solely by itself. I think we need to see where the writers take the character afterward to see whether or not it has any merit has any merit as a storytelling piece because that's one of the biggest problems like with with a serialized thing is that something you know people are like well this 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 is meaningless they just did it to fridger and it's just for somebody else's benefit but you don't know that yet you don't know where the story leads you don't know what it it's going to lead to i would argue that based on the history of where game of thrones characters character arcs go i'm not optimistic fair and that's and that's a Daddy totally fair judgment i was going to say in the books did they do anything with sansa because she really wasn't doing anything. She was just following Littlefinger. Well, again, we don't know yet. Because it's not done right? yet. There's still two more books to come. So. <laughs> no. I know, but they're not going to wait two years just that, you know. No. And that's that's the other thing is that the, the, the show is rapidly catching up to the books. Yeah, the um, and is going to, is just flat going to surpass them. Yeah. Um, and we're going to end up with a situation like we did with the Lost World movie, where the Lost World book was fun and interesting and great, and it, it did great things with the characters, and the movie was made before the book was finished, and it was Raptors. clear that... yeah, Raptors and everywhere. It, and it was clear that the writers of the movie had no fucking clue how to handle the storyline. That's really what I... Like, I understand that they're going to diverge in the show for Game of Thrones, Already but... Have. But I definitely feel like the showrunners for that show have less. Um, they don't have the time to take the care that George R. R. Martin does with the purposing of his storylines, mm. if that makes sense. And they don't. And I do really feel there's part of me, this squidgy part of me, that feels like the showrunners for that show got to about the end of season two, maybe middle of season three saw how it was going and somebody in the executives and in the TV industry, because I know TV fucking people yeah. are gross, yep. were like, oh, we have free reign to do rape in a TV show now. Ha, let's do it all the time. <laughs> it's know, right. But yeah. have, you, have you seen this season? No. Have you watched I've it? Seen, I've, because seen, I've seen the episode in question. Okay. Out because of, this out of season, sequence, but. Uh, right from the bat, just diverges from the books. They're yeah, not. No, even, no, no. They're not I, even following the books anymore. Yeah. Sure. Where, where it to the point? If you read book four, and I haven't gotten to five, but four, there is no way you can make a series out of that watchable because nobody's going to watch the people traveling around. It's also it's already it, like the show is already relentlessly depressing, mm. and and that's kind of like I get 
the, I get the appeal of Grimdark to some degree, but mm. like there's a point where um, watching it watching it on TV, it just gets a, uh, fatiguing. Like it's just kind of you kind of get tired of watching people get fucked over. Totally fair. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, and, like literally from the get go, like you know, every single good thing in this world gets destroyed. Mm. Season one, Ned yeah. Snark. Ned Stark, the paragon of virtue, gets decapitated because he's too good of a guy. I, yeah, that's the kind of show that you're in for. Uh, yeah, oh, I know, and that's. Um, th- but there has to be something redemptive. If if there's nothing redemptive, then there's no reason for me to watch the story, mm. right? I don't care about watching people just get fucked over and n- never have anything redemptive happen. So, if you're tired of rapey bullshit, um, I would highly recommend. Saladin Ahmed's book, Throne of the Crescent Moon, which I'm finally reading. Ooh, it heard, is fan-fucking-tastic. Heard very good so things. So good. It has really on-point character development. It's uh, in a really interesting world. Uh, it's a high-fantasy novel that is doing something really exciting with high-fantasy. Um, I admit I have not read Game of Thrones. I haven't watched Game of Thrones and haven't really been motivated because I kind of assume that literally every character dies. I did go through and read somebody's like here's what happens to all the female characters and it's like okay so the tomboy one is going to be fine and everybody else is going to get raped (laughs) or killed or decapitated Mm. or become evil or i don't think the tomboy one's going to be fine at all yeah no okay well there you go hey yo i it's um, sort of like this is me watching supernatural i want to like divide a bingo grid and be like all right every female character is she evil dead somehow maimed or decapitated banging one of the Winchester brothers you know like there's only so many roles that a a woman can have or (laughs) I do really want to see like I mean redemption wise I would really love to see that the storyline becomes Arya Stark taking back her her rightful place and you know becoming king queen of the north or whatever and you know becoming queen I, of kings be something like that look, right look, but, follow me through on this here's what i think is going to happen um i think <clears throat> that uh daenerys targaryen uh Tyrion, and Jon snow are going to be the three sort of bastions of light at the end that defeat what evil forces exist and they will each have their own respective areas sure which is funny when it, when you're talking about Tyrion. <laughs> he's, so, he's one of the, the most moral characters in the entire Yeah, world. he still rapes somebody, though. No, he doesn't. Doesn't no. he? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I heard that he did in the show. Not in the no. I don't know, but I haven't watched the season yet. No. He, he killed his former lover, but that's yeah. just it. But I do... Daenerys fell in love with her rapist, yes? Uh, sort of, yeah. The, yeah. She Marital got, rape. Yeah, that's basically... She got <laughs> sold off into marital slavery and then eventually fell in love with the Cal Drogo Cal yeah. Drogo when she realized so, that he was not just a brute yeah hmm. um, well that is a very very classic storyline yeah, so. yeah but they but he turns that storyline on its head by killing off Cal Drogo fairly yeah. soon and then she becomes the focus of that storyline right so um, and then the brother who was who was beating <laughs> up on her gets yeah. his just desserts yeah i mean there's bits and pieces of the show that i like but to put it in comic book perspective uh for something that we've talked about before it reminds me a lot in tone of the walking dead because <gasps> the walking dead has gone on too long in both comic book and tv yeah, show form. And, that, and that's what i'm saying is that part of the reason why it's gone on too long and why people are starting to get fatigued by it is that nothing good ever happens and you get to a point when you're writing stories like that where the the bad things that begin to happen to people start to feel really cynical. They don't feel like story beats with character growth that come from it and mean something later. Yeah. How, how far have you they read just Walking mean, Dead now? Oh, fuck, I don't know. Eight or nine hardcovers, something like that. Has anyone like, been beaten to death with a baseball bat? Probably, nope. I don't remember. It's been a long time since. Is this I've a litmus test? No, like no. I don't want to spoil. I don't want to spoil. Oh, okay. The there, plot there's point. there's <laughs> a specific right. scene, and I won't spoil it for you because it could be one of many people. Okay. But uh, one of the characters is <laughs> literally be beaten to death. death with a baseball bat, and it just feels mean natured and cynical as oh, opposed to having any sort of development. Is that when? Uh, is that when they kill off the Asian kid? Yeah. Yeah. Fine. That's yeah. That's and that's what I'm talking about. Like it gets to this point where you're using these things 
for shock value and you're using them as this kind of just cynical thing where you're just like, oh, well, nothing's happened in a while, so let's fuck someone over. Yeah. And As opposed to having any sort of actual development, let's just kill somebody off. Right. And I kind of feel that that's the way that the, the t- at least the TV show version of Game of Thrones is going where it's like, oh, well, nothing, nothing's been, you know, nothing has jar- drawn enough buzz like the Red Wedding, so let's fucking rape somebody or kill somebody off or blah, 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 blah. And and as they you know as they diverge from the books, um, like the books are George R. R. Martin's soul vision. They are his baby. His you know it's all coming out of his brain, and he takes years to write a book because he wants to make sure that every part of it gets perfect. And I am confident that regardless of the uh, the tone of the books, that he's that he cares about his characters enough to lead them into something after everything they've been through. Mm. Um, I'm not confident that the showrunners have that same mentality because their, uh, their job is driven on, you know, making money and doing it in quite a bit of a compressed amount of time compared to, what um george the the amount of time george r. r martin has to work on something so i don't know it's it's it, it's starting to feel real cynical just like walking dead is um but this so ramsey is is a key is a key part of the mm-hmm. the stories right you know, yeah and so also sansa going to the north also is a key part okay and which is why which is why i'm also willing to give the small benefit of the doubt that I don't know where it's leading yet, so I can, I'm not going to make a judgment on the episode and that particular act until I see where they lead with it. But like Anne, I do not have the confidence that the, that the showrunners know what they're doing and are going to do it in a way that isn't uh, exploitative. Right? Yeah. There's, there's a. It, it's just. Um, I don't know. I just don't have like. Christina and I have come to the conclusion that we're going to wait until the sh- until the show is completely done yeah. before watching any more of it, right? Because sense. we're going to see what people, <laughs> both fans of the book and fans of the show, say about where things lead before we even start putting any more money into trying to watch any more of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. As personally, I'm I'm a fan of it because I I like stuff that's not sugar coated. Not not a fan of the rape. <laughs> don't don't give me that. No, but the dick chopping no, is fine. No, the the cynicism, the the realism of it. The characters will will die, and dick chopping's fine too. I, you know, I, it's it, the thing is, is that I've way too many like stories, especially in comic books, where you have a character die and it has no meaning to it. No, right? I understand. And that. there's way too many shows that they have to wrap it up in a nice clean bow. But and the fact that Walking Dead is is not it's messy. You know, it, sometimes it's a little messy. This character has 17 unfinished arcs and they get killed. Guess what happens to those arcs? Yeah. They just Nothing. left hanging. But, yeah. but like one, one of the main things is when when Rick and the zombie kids go to um, go to the the housing community. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they've been out in the wild for so long. And then you finally get to a civilization where everything's safe. And it turns out that they're the monsters. That's not these other people. And that's the one thing where I can see where them being out in the wild and in this world has actually changed them. You should read we I are the Walking Dead! Yeah. Yeah. Not, when you said like, Rick and the zombie kids, I immediately flashed to what's the sitcom that has all the people in the boxes? It's from the 80s. I think it's in San Francisco. People in the boxes? It's like a three by three grid and it's people being like, derp, derp, derp. I have no idea Damn what it. you're talking uh, about. This Hollywood is a, Squares? Hollywood Squares? No, it's not Hollywood Squares. It's a. Mm, Nope. Sitcom or game show? Sitcom, not Hollywood Squares. No idea what you're talking okay. about. Then. Brady Bunch. Yes. So, yes. 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 The Brady Bunch. Okay. And what I was uh, what I was going to say is that there is a it is easily possible to go completely in the opposite direction, right? Mm. Comic books like superhero books, deaths are meaningless because they constantly get retconned or mm. they constantly yeah. you know nothing happens. <laughs> you swing that pendulum completely to the opposite side of the coin where deaths become meaningless because they're so commonplace. Right, All you just you just don't give a fuck if anyone you 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 can't be You're like I can't get emotionally invested in these characters because they're gonna die and it won't matter anyway. That yeah, 
But right? that, that's the thing. Everyone and, will die eventually. Yes, yeah. but that's not the story that I want. I don't want to. I don't want. I, nobody wants to read the story of my life. No, people know that I'm going to die someday. Nobody's going to read the story about me puttering around my fucking house and doing podcasts until I keel over from a heart attack. It's just. And people are listening to that right now. Just yeah, let you. For the last two weeks, we have been reading Alex and Ada. It is a uh, book. It's a book. It's a comic book. We read book. Uh, it is a, an image comic book by Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn, uh, who co-write the story. Jonathan Luna does the art. It is. Um, this was this was my suggestion, wasn't it? I think so. Yes. Just one of mine. <laughs> I can't remember. They did it so long Shit ago that I can't remember anymore. Um, so the book is about uh, Alex, who is a. Uh, it takes place in a somewhat near future. I'd say probably we'll say a hundred years in the future or so. Yeah, um, twenty twenty years in the future. <laughs> yeah, uh, with the way technology advances, it would not surprise me. Um, the premise is that the he he's a he's a general office worker. I don't think you really ever get to know what he what he does as a job. Um, he's a minion. Yeah, um, and in in typical low sci fi fashion, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of technological advancements, uh, including these kind of cyberpunk communication implants in the heads and, implants. and robots. The um, there are androids that do all kinds of things in this world. It's very, you know, it's very Blade Runner or Cherry 2000. Um, wow. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Everything from uh, he's got a, uh, a house robot that flies around and does things for him, like make, him makes coffee. coffee and makes toast and stuff, toast all bot. the way up to humanoid androids um, that you know, in in the fashion of many sci-fi stories, can be everything from companions to helpers to sex bots. Um, they. The world that he lives in is one where there was an AI outbreak that uh, a company ha- was starting to develop an AI, and it went bonkers and killed a whole bunch of people at this uh, this cybertech company um, years ago, leading to laws against uh, actually putting AI into androids. Um, so the story centers around Alex, who you know has had problems with love and problems with with women, um, and his mother, who oh, has grandma. Is it? Oh, it's grandmother who has a who has her own sex robot companion android. Sex robot. Um, sex robot. Buys him uh, an, a female android that he eventually names Ada, um, and hil- hilarity ensues. Hilarity. Um, yeah. Uh, philosophical it's, hilarity. Um, we changed our structure a little bit, so we are doing buy, borrow, burn at the beginning of our reviews now, so that you guys can decide whether or not you actually want to go buy the book and read it before we start talking about it and spoiling the shit out of it. Um, I'm going to go last, so I think uh, we'll start with Anne and just kind of go around the table and, and then come back to me. I'd buy it. I thought the first five issues were, made me interested in the next five issues, so yay. Cool. Burn. Hmm. It's just too slow. Wow. Borrow it. Uh, I'm going to go solid buy. I think it, um, it's slow, but very, very interesting to me. So um, uh, we kind of talked about this a while ago, uh, or before the show with Andy, that that it is it is a little. It's very slow. I don't want to say derivative. Derivative is the wrong word. It doesn't. It it's it is a classic story. It is a, it is a there, yeah. It's a genre. There like, is nothing that this book handles that has not been written before. And why don't you give us some background on sort of the idea? Uh, so, going as far back as possible, uh, Ovid's Metamorphoses has a story in it about Pygmalion, who is a king, who uh, made a statue and then fell in love with it and was like, "This is the best." Uh, I wish this statue was alive. And then the goddess Venus makes it so. Uh, the statue's name is Galatea, which they reference in the comic um, as Galatean angst. I was like, yeah, awesome. Um, but it, the whole dude being in love with a robot chick who may or may not be human is, in this century, has had a lot of iterations. Mm-hmm. Like Lars and the Real Girl, um, Chobits. Ugh. Which thankfully this wasn't like 
oh my god, sexuality, lol, that Chobits is, but... What was the one with uh, um, Joaquin Phoenix and ScarJo doing the voice of his... Her. Her, yeah. Was a, a similar a similar that. story, but uh, without without like a there's no physical body. no physical mm. body, but a si- similar story about an, an AI yeah. that a man falls in love with. Yeah. Andy was bringing up earlier: Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep slash Blade Runner? Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the very common topics that gets covered in these kinds of stories is like a what makes someone human, which is like every robot story that's ever happened is asking this question. Right. See also it, Lieutenant Commander Data. That's exactly where I was going to go. <laughs> uh, but also. Um, what you know what rights do these things have and mm-hmm. and like how if we have things that are basically human where do we draw the line and how do they incorporate in society i like that because it's a roundabout way to think about people as well especially mm-hmm. groups of people that are traditionally disenfranchised or considered less than human mm-hmm. i think there's a lo- there's been a huge push for this storyline in in media lately too because i mean my wife and i we're talking about doing, you know, in, in a couple of months when they're all out on video, doing a, a movie marathon of four separate movies that have come out in the last two years that are all dealing with this kind of storyline. One of them, th- so there's there's a Antonio Banderas movie called Automata that's uh, the same kind of thing. There's Chappie, um, yeah. which is basically a remake of Short Circuit. Um, there's... Um, Die Warzu. There's... Damn it, I can't remember the name of the one with... Bruce Willis in it. Um, fuck. Uh, it's the one the, that one is one where it's it's a, a much more standard storyline where there's like a sex bot that gets a hold of AI and um, they're you know hunting her down while somebody's trying to protect her. And then there's um, Ex Machina, which is the one that's getting all the critical acclaim uh, for its kind of take on that same storyline. Curious to see that because I've heard it's really good. Yeah, yeah, I've heard very good things about it too, and it looks very interesting. Um, I thought it was. I thought it's interesting because I've always liked this kind of storyline, right? I mean, my own book centers around a similar storyline of a of an artificial character, an artificially created um, character who has to struggle in a world of people that think he's that treat him as property, right? Um, so, Alex and Ada's to me is a super interesting take on this um, for several reasons. One, I think that. Um, I think that the writers do a really good job of not pounding you in the face with their message, which a lot of times these stories do. Um, they can be handled very um, inelegantly, which happens a lot. Cherry 2000 is a good example. Um, I think part of what helps that happen is that um, a lot of actually like the panel staging and the very like kind of filmic objective view, um, mm-hmm. I think... It's a good book to look at if you make comics because there's a lot of clever shit that they do, especially in terms of like how they do the speech bubbles for the um, and and work the. Uh, let me finish that first sentence. <laughs> how they do the speech bubbles for the psychic communication? Uh-huh. It's not psychic. It's whatever implant in your head is letting you do it, phone it, calls. It's effectively. It's psychic. like a blue dot appears on the character's temple, yeah. and you know that they're talking in the cyberpunk implant. Yep, device. Um, Neurotransmitter. Uh, I have those. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm going to jump in here and sort of give my two cents on this real quick. I feel like that these ideas have been covered better and in other like ways. Um, obviously, we can go to the Blade Runner thing. But I personally, before we read this story in the past couple of weeks, have had better discussions on what the nature of AI is than this book. I mean, the entire idea is that if you create something, like the entire purpose of creation is, you know, you aspire that your creation will be better than you, whether that's children or... Or in the case of robots, something that will exceed your capabilities. Um, I don't think that this book is as elegant in covering those subjects. And it really focuses more on one person and how they interact with stuff. And there's some glimpses into the outside world sure. and whatnot. But I just, I, it's not that it's a sledgehammer. It's just kind of bland. See, and and that's where I disagree because I um, I do agree that it's slow. It's it is probably one of the one of the slowest comic books I've read in a long time. Both in just individual conversations within the book and the like, the unfolding of the story. Because 
the first the first trade that we read was five issues. Yeah, we're just doing the five issues, right? Yeah. Okay. And we can we I mean you and I can talk a little bit about what happens later, but I think we're covering basically the first five issues. Um they the amount of ground covered in those five issues compared to a lot of comic books is not much at all. It's it I feel like most comic series do the do the initial setup and sort of the hook in about the first two issues. This mm-hmm. one takes the first five. Right. I mean, we don't even get to so the the premise of the story, as we said before, is that um, Alex is given this android, and at first, when he gets the android, he doesn't he doesn't want it. He has no interest. Um, but then he decides to try and give her a chance, and finds her extraordinarily bland, and is hard. To, it's hard to relate to her, and he doesn't just want someone who's just going to do what he says because she's programmed to. Which is again, it's a it's a kind of a standard story trope for this type of story he doesn't want her to um, do what what he wants because she's programmed he wants her to do what she wants because that's what or he wants her to do what he wants because she wants she wants it as well he wants the yeah. duality of free will and making the same choices that he wants it's best for him and the th- and they address that really interestingly i think i'm curious to see how that plays out if his yes. if his original urge was like oh i just want a like more responsive sex bot um which there are dudes that that is what they want uh or if he's gonna like one hopes have a character arc and character growth from a place of i want a more responsive sex bot to oh whoa this is what happens when we actually give people agency well and that's what i think i that's one of the things that i think i like about this book a lot is that i think they do i think they do a really good job of um making alex uh likable and relatable and making him out to be not the guy that just wants a responsive right. sex bot, the guy that wants a companion mm-hmm. and wants to see if he can make that happen with the million dollar robot that he's been given mm-hmm. as opposed to like, cause he has human relationships that, that kind of get torn up because of, you know, the robot in the first place. Um, one being a, a woman that he, that, obviously has some sort of like interest, attra- interest or attraction yeah. to him that you know does not like the robot at all he's Go got figure. friends that don't even like the concept of him having a robot period they're very um, weirded out weirded out by it um it runs the gamut but, he's also got friends that you know are fully supportive of mm-hmm. the robot and there's detail in the the second book on that but Focusing just on the first trade for a couple minutes. Um, Pause for just one sec so I can just finish my thought. Where I was going with this is that in the first five issues of this book, we only just get to the point where uh, Ada has had AI installed. Like that's And that's how slow this story moves, is that five full issues of dealing with that particular... Um, that particular plot line and you only get to the point where he gets the robot interacts with the robot wants something more agonizes about doing it and just does it at the end of the first trade to be fair i don't know how they're going to pace this but if i'm going off of sort of hero's journey pacing that's actually about a quarter of the story Mm mm-hmm I could see this being about a 25-issue story. I yeah. could also see it going longer. Um, I could see it... Depends how many plot twists they got. Yeah. Um, and I think that... I, I've read to current, which I think is up to... They're up to issue 15, I think, I want to say. Um, 14 or 15. And um, it does It does definitely pick up. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, one of the things that, I, that I'll say specifically about it... Um, part... Part of what keeps it interesting after you get through that first five issue, like kind of slow build up, is, and one of the reasons why I think it will speed up and then get better is they do a really, really good job in that first, in these first five issues of building the relationship between uh, Alex and his friends and then bringing Ada into that group. Mm. The second five issues, I think, does a really good job of building the relationship specifically between Alex and Ada. That makes sense. And in the process, it also throws some wrenches into the works in the form of increasing public paranoia, which uh, I think will become 
the key to the story later on. I, man, um, I feel like it's, well, it's just, it's too overt. And like, there's some things that like, Hey, we're, we're going to hint at this. And by hint, they're like, we're going to spell this out in giant neon letters for you. Like what? Cause I don't, I don't feel like they've, I mean, I feel like there's been some overtness to some of the stuff, like, especially the, like the FBI getting involved in the, you know, the cracking down on, on illegal AIs I, and so stuff. Having but, not read all this stuff, I think that, uh, the, the robot for the grandma is going to want to either become sentient or something like that. I feel like the blonde girl who cooks is going to try to throw even more monkey wrenches into the situation and will be some sort of potential rival for Ada. Or That I could see. The first part I... So is that overt about like plot signals that you're seeing coming from a mile away versus overt about like political messaging? Pl- no, plot signals. Oh, okay. I really feel like that there's some stuff that they just weren't subtle enough with. And I very well could be wrong, and I could be reading too far in or something like that. And what I'm hoping and what I am what I think, based on the way this is going, is um, I feel like th- that he may be also doing the opposite. He might be doing that on purpose like false as, as false flags and, and red herrings. Um, especially, especially with the, the grandmother's robot, um, because I feel like the grandmother's robot... I feel like the purpose of that that android is to give you another android as a contrast to to Ada that eventually that that won't get to that point, right? That won't be I think it would be interesting if the grandma's android is already unlocked and doing a very good job of hiding of it. Of hiding itself, maybe, yeah. Um I think what would what would be kind of interesting would, you know, to pull the uh the every potential turns into a slayer thing where yeah. at some point one of the companies just mass unlocks AI and all of their androids at once, you know, I, <laughs> um, I don't know. I, the reason I like it so much is that, is that slowness that I'm invested. Like they've gotten me invested in these characters really well. Um, you are you're dead silent as usual, dude. Well, no, I be, that's because I was letting you guys say your piece. What's your piece? What's my piece? I, I, it was boring, just like Andy was saying. No, because I could see exactly where it was going. There was absolutely nothing new that I saw. Like, okay, he, he needs to find out about this. Uh, there are some things that are interesting, but the the one thing that I didn't like was kind of the world didn't ring true to me because there's so everybody's worried about AI. And because they have AI, because they will just murder everybody. Um, but yet there's military droids, military robots that kill people, you know, that do their work for them. But that don't have AI. That's the key. <clears throat> yeah. Military robots that are still running on programs, programs yeah. and subroutines that aren't running on artificial intelligence and making decisions for themselves. Yeah, yeah, but there's... but The robots that are killing people. We only yeah. want the robots AI. to kill people but, when we tell and, them. And, this, and that's one of the things. So what? where do you draw the line on a robot has agency, right? I mean, you, sure. it's basically its owner tells it what to do. So what keeps... Um, what keeps the owner from saying, hey, um, go out and, and enjoy a the, concert? The three laws of robotics. <laughs> well, yeah, but the three laws of robotics says it can't do any, any harm, harm to property or sure. itself. And it can't, it can't do anything illegal. Or That's not one of the three laws. It's not. It's, no, it just harm can't humans. harm humans, can't harm. Uh, you have to do what the humans say if it doesn't contradict the first law. Can't mm. harm self if it doesn't contradict the first or the second laws. Yes. Yeah. So, it, so a Thank person you, could... Yeah, a person could pretty much say, you know, go out and enjoy yourself. I know they but can't. But they're have not a p- capable of enjoyment. Yeah, because they have opinions. Well, and that's the thing. They can say, go out and do that, but the paranoia is what prevents, like, an android being out in public and doing something like that. I think that that's the point: is that people are they're they're paranoid to a degree that they that they have. Um, how am I trying to say this? Their paranoia is not reined in by moral objection to destruction, if that makes any sense. Mm. Like, like that's where this differs from a story about um, any other oppressed or marginalized people that, um, yes, 
there is violence against minorities in the world, but in this world, there is n- there's literally no moral objection to the de- to the destruction. Sorry, tapping. There is no moral objection to the destruction of a robot, and that's where it's different, right? That's mm. why that scene matters because as soon as they see this person out there acting human, mm. that is not there's there's n- there is at no point in a lot of these people's minds where they go. I need to stop at just yelling at them or just being an asshole to them. Mm. I can kill them without consequence. Yeah, I think yeah. of like the right? uh, the singer, the robot singer, sort of a Hatsune Miko in the flesh, mm-hmm. who mm. gets torn apart shortly after the one robot goes batshit and kills a bunch of people. And that uh, singer did not resist, just like let herself be torn apart because yeah. she knew that if she did, that would screw over the possibility yeah. of robots, any other robots, like being able to be alive. <laughs> okay. The, also, this may be a dumb question, but couldn't they just rebuild her? Yeah. But See, why would they? And that's and that's where it also comes to like the the singer also was a was had artificial intelligence. Yeah. And I think that's one of the commentaries about about these particular stories in general has always been um once once a particular Android has artificial intelligence and begins uh, altering their actions based on their experience, they are now an individual that cannot be replicated, right? You can't replicate that experience just by copying their brain to another Android. Um, Who knows? Maybe you can. Mm. But that's one of the things that makes uh, humans unique is that when we have an experience, it actually physically changes our brain, right? As a tangent uh, with artificial intelligence, for this story specifically... I don't know if that's necessarily the correct, like, intelligence is intelligence. It's sentience, maybe Sen- more so than yeah. sentience. Yeah, I think. yeah. yeah. Because so, the, the the like hallmark moment for me was, or whatever kind of moment uh, was like the sunset versus the sunrise, and kind of like what you're talking about, Joel. Like, you can't just tell these these androids to go out and enjoy themselves because mm. they cannot enjoy themselves without you. Yeah, like, without breaking. It's through like that if you say it's beautiful, program. then it must be beautiful. Versus like her seeing the sunrise and being like, oh. It's beautiful. I yeah. have all these things now that give me that feeling. Right. Yeah. And, and I, they can feel too. But my question my question is is that there are robots out there that specifically are made to break the first law to destroy property and other human life. Sure, but the, well, but let's there, ke- let's keep in mind let's keep in mind that the, fir- the the three laws of robotics are still a different story. Yeah, yeah, they right? are. Right. <laughs> so so everybody is afraid of these sentient robots, but there's robots out there, there's weapons out there that, you know. Because I think it speaks to the concept that um people are not afraid of technology, they're afraid of being replaced by technology. Mm. That's that's the key. Is that you add the sentience to this technology, and all of a sudden, it's a threat to your humanity. It's, it's like not a just demigods. a threat to your yeah. life, yeah. right? They're immortal. So, yeah, but Immortal-ish. so and and yeah. the one and the one thing, the one scene that they had there was when they had all the friends, and Alex Alex had just said, "Hey, you know, I got a robot." Everybody has found out, brought all the friends over, and they go over. Okay, this is the reason why we don't like AI because the next aware. Uh, problem mm-hmm. where they got they got sentience and that robot just started killing everything right and it's like that's what we're afraid of but um and i understand that but there's also robots out there that kill the, but that's just an inciting incident it's not the the it's not the the larger story or the larger point yeah like yeah i mean i see where you're coming from i yeah. just don't i think that that's i think that that is a story point that Maybe they'll address. It's, maybe it's like, sort of it's like, not, it's, so they're soldiers, right? And their mm. job is to kill. But when some random dude shoots up a shopping mall, that's a problem. Right. Yeah. yeah. Also, this may sound like a real dumb question, but so these these robots, they eat actual food, right? Yeah, that's how they... They can, yeah. yeah. That, no, they, they have they, to. They have to. Well, th- yes. doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. There's okay. that whole you could feed them cat food thing. Yeah. Right. Mm. Do they poop? Yes, that yes. was addressed. Was uh-huh. it okay? I like. I, I must like. Yeah. It's based on that part. I'm like. I was thinking about. It, I'm like. Okay. It was like one panel where somebody asked that, mm-hmm. and, and they yes, they do produce waste. I think um, part of what part of why I'm I'm enjoying this story so much is the fact that the the conflicts are not gr- earth shattering conflicts all the time. They're simple things occasionally, like like yeah. like. I enjoy the fact that once Ada gets a hold of a little bit of of sentience, 
she doesn't like many many of these robot stories she doesn't like she doesn't go on a killing spree she doesn't she doesn't even overdo it with things she has this like internal reserve it's those kinds of little things that really uh hammer this home to me in a way that's different from a lot of other stories a lot of other stories they always kind of try and center around crazy robots and crazy people Mm. and in this one i think it's like Mm. the most normal robots and the most normal people and it's it's that uh, it's that storyline of a normal person not wanting to fuck up his normal life, but but kind of pushing that edge a little bit, mm. um, which is a story you don't see very often. Usually, you know, usually usually you see normal guy who makes the choice to do something like this, and then everything falls apart around him, right? Yeah. And that would be the typical version of this story. In this one, it's like tension is building because you see the potential for this guy's normal life to crack and fall apart and that is something that is an inherent fear of everybody everybody who has built a life around themselves is just terrified that that life is going to to crumble especially if they take an interesting risk yeah like unlocking their android right yeah so i don't know that's that's really what what makes this story for me okay. so I, like we, I think we've talked about the story enough can we talk about the art for just a couple minutes yeah, yeah. i don't like it <laughs> i don't like the lunar brothers art style i mean it's not bad it's just yeah it's it's bland yeah i like it because i think he does a, he does subtle facial expressions really really well in a lot of instances I, I will give you that but the trade-off is that it's just it's very generic like it's to me, it kind of has the a, a stark, clean feeling, kind of like too clean, kind of like Oblivion, actually, mm. like the house scenes in Oblivion. It is very. I I don't think it's too clean. I think it works for the purposes of the story. Yeah, and that's that's where I am. I'm I'm wildly indifferent toward the artwork in this book. Um, I don't think, it, like you said, it's not bad. It's not good. Yeah, it's very I, clean, and I think it fits the story they're trying to yeah, tell. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's bad by any means. Yeah. But I also don't feel like, I mean, ever since the first Lunar Brothers story that I've seen, which was, I think, Girls, maybe, mm-hmm. like, the style has not evolved at all. Yeah, Does that make sense? Yes, it's, I, I, I... Everything is too... It's, it's hyper clean. It's just, yeah. like, every line is very, very distinct, and, you know, it's... Yeah. I'll tell you one of the things There's no that... weathering. It's artificial. That's the best way I can describe it. Everything has. There's no right. That's that's what I was going to say, which is I think is the point. And one of the things, one of the things I think that Luna does really well with the art, um, aside from you know talking about how clean it is and everything, but one of the things that I like about his art is that he always has a background, which I know that sounds. Stupid and simple, but there are it's artists important that don't necessarily do that. Yeah, no, I get it. And uh, he he develops setting exceptionally well. I want to talk about like, my favorite thing. Go ahead, art wise, which was how he shows the the like message board mm. that it's basically like surfing the internet, but it's the brain internet where you have mm-hmm. you know whatever, uh, which a lot of films have done. I mean, mm-hmm. sort of the Tronverse within this <laughs> within <Yeah>. this universe. <laughs> um, I thought it was really well done in terms of just uh, set design. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, and you can have your mind brain juice, <laughs> or the the brain mi- mango juice or whatnot. I can, mango okay. juice. I can, so. Oh, go ahead. So uh, this this is my one thing is that the one the one kind of um, whole plot point of this is that he's doing something illegal, right? And they'll mm-hmm. find out that Ada's an android that has sentience, and and everybody will find out. But halfway through the book, you realize that there's hundreds of thousands of robots out there mm-hmm. that are that are robots, and the only way that you can find out that they're a robot or if they're human is that they either have the like tattoo, the branding mark, the branding mark mm-hmm. which can be removed. And, the mark of the master. And they bleed purple. So is there, is there any... Is there any... Um, what am I trying to... Like, what is the risk? Stakes? Yeah, or, what, or what are the stakes? Because there's already hundreds of thousands of them out there. All you have to do to change... 
a robot into a human is remove the tattoo. So and the one hope thing that, that they don't cut themselves. Well, they've also talked about the fact that um, you can't remove the tattoo without leaving behind a mark or a scar, effectively. But they they say the the girl that got beat up at the concert didn't have that tattoo. She had the she had removed her company tattoo and had a sprocket on her hand, which was, you know, it's a tattoo. The symbol. It's the symbol of of the sure. rebellion. You know, so otherwise, the only reason why they knew that she was a robot was because she got hit by. A and bottle. I think that's. I actually think that that's part of um, what drives the paranoia in the book is the fact that they can't tell the difference. Yeah. So now you've got people who who are potentially judging others that they meet based on their behavior, mm. trying to determine whether or not they're human or not. Back mm-hmm. to the replicant and question. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. come back to the replicant question and that's, um, you know, that's that's the stakes is you worry, you know, part of the stakes is losing, you know, a robot getting killed and part of yeah. it is what happens when humans start to get uh, accosted by people who think they're robots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, which is something that they never kind of touch on or hint to. Or well, not in the first five issues. No, uh, uh-huh. does that come on later on? Because the only the only way I can see Alex getting caught with Ada is the fact that his friends know, or if she does something that like if if she reacts to something emotionally in front of other people. Um, that's that's but a, that would be that would be oh, like the wrong human reaction. There are enough people that know that yeah. he's got a robot. Yeah. For one, like even that, his coworker his, knows that he's got yeah, a robot. Which which was one okay, of the guys. So of before his you guys friends. go off on this tangent, I just want to bring up: Have you guys discussed the thing yet? What thing? The movie, Pro- the thing. Uh, no. Where but no. that is a brilliant example yeah. of you know it's humans versus non-humans acting like humans. Yeah. Mm. And it handles it perfectly because you, as the viewer, don't know. You know, there's actual, it's like, okay, at the the end movie where uh, Childs and, I can't remember, oh God, the other guy are sitting there, you know, you don't know if, you know, like the viewer knows that Childs is not, or yeah, not an alien. No, he is not an alien. You don't know about the other guy. But what it implies, actually, is brilliant. I actually, I watched something on this. Mm-hmm. Um, he offers him his flask and the guy's like, yeah, sure, I'll take a drink. And so that's. Uh, Childs doing a checkmate on the alien because if the guy was human, he'd be worried that Childs was an alien. But because he's not, Childs knows at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's that movie is so smart, and the more the, oh yeah, like it's just so good. The but yeah, the 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 eighty four version is fantastic. Oh yeah, like, it's I, like, one of I, my favorite horror movies. Okay, and and that that kind of touches on what I I don't think that there's any kind of fear because they don't really. Talk about how society. There's this one instance of Nexaware and then the robot getting destroyed at the concert. But other than that, you don't really see how society is dealing with the robots out there. Other than you know, there's no AI, right? And that's the. I think the point of that is that you're not you're not dealing with the outside forces. Mm. You're dealing with Alex's own anxieties and paranoia, and dealing with. And then eventually, when when Ada gets sentenced, you're you're dealing with hers, and you're getting the view of the outside world filtered through their anxieties and paranoia about it, mm. right? Which I which I kind of like. It's not they don't spell out exactly why you know they give a couple of reasons, mm. right? Why people are acting the way they do, but they yeah. don't they don't go into depth because this is a character study of these two characters. Yeah. And it's a deep dive focus on them, right? And, okay, so maybe that's the reason why I think it's Borrow. Because if that comes out later on in the books, it's not really expressing this. It's it's so bland. I mean, because Alex is pretty much a robot and Ada is pretty much a robot. And you're just watching two vanilla people, you know, interact. And he's like, I'm (laughs) not really interested in the story at all. I mean, there's no spice to it. You know, it's it's just poi. Um, And if they... If they bring it out later did you on, just and call the story "Poi." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Just a little taro root. I like "Poi." It's derivative of a lot of different things, mm. and and my I guess my biggest complaint is, like I'm okay with books having slow pacing. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't bother me at all. If they're telling me something new or telling me something better than it's been previously done, yeah. I don't feel like this is covering any new ground, and I don't feel like it's strong enough of a story that I'm interested to see where it goes past these first five issues yeah I, I did read the next five yeah I, you know sort of a, as a caveat um and i was you know i'm like meh 
just that meh. confirmed yeah. for you that you're like, yeah. nope, this isn't going it's anywhere. So it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere new for me. Uh, so yeah, and for me, I I think it's just Alex because Alex is just so bland himself. <laughs> I think it's funny that he is kind of a robot yeah. himself. Yeah, yeah he's. Uh, I mean, like when the robot, <coughs> when the robot, um, freedom fighters in the, in the uh, focus or the forum. We're talking to him like, why would you want this? And he's like, Meh, I just wanted to have an idea. You know, mm-hmm. like, Gah. you know, like have. But that's but what that's I love about it. That's why it's interesting because it isn't. It is. Like, it's not typical, but it's not interesting. Oh, no. I like it. See, and I disagree. I think yeah. it is interesting because it's it's. It is the kind of thing that a real person would do. It is the kind of thing but, that somebody but you don't would be see, like, mm, sure, But you don't not? see any tension in him to make him like, okay, something needs to change. Not until yeah. after it happens, and I think that's the point. Yeah. But that's in a different book, but, right? Yeah. No, but, it, no, no. It's, it's right at the end of this book. Like, that's the thing is like, he has a moment where he, he has a, oh, fuck, what have I done moment. Right. Yeah. And that's the key is that the whole the whole point of this story, and I, I would like to wrap this up. We are way over time, um, but I'd like to wrap this up on a positive note since this is the book that I picked. Yeah, yeah. It, that I think one of the, th- to address your point, one of the reasons that I, that I am on the opposite side of the coin from, mm-hmm. from you on that storyline is that it is a story of a guy who is bland, who does just kind of like, meh, that's why his relationship fell apart. That's why he hasn't gotten into a new relationship because he's just kind of ambivalent about that kind of stuff. And then he gets the robot and initially he doesn't want it, but then he gets into that kind of ambivalent thing about it again. He's like, well, maybe if I gave her personality, it would, it would do something. And then he, he, you know, he kind of stumbles into a forum where he can, he might be able to do it. And he kind of, waffles into a decision to actually give her AI and then he gives her AI and he's like uh oh shit just got real what the fuck so that's uh, I think that's one of the reasons that I love the book so much so We've got upcoming episodes. There are this was episode ninety four, so we got six episodes until our preacher long read at episode one hundred. Uh, the next episode, I think, is going to be the one that interests me the most out of the next several, and that is Gotham Central. Uh, it is um, it's Ed Brubaker. God damn it, Rucka! Didn't Rucka Brubaker. didn't get involved until the second arc, right? So like, Rucka's so. not. It's just Brubaker, and it was a an argument Joel and I had during the week. Yeah. I... I said it was Rucka, and he's like, "Oh, Brubaker," and I was like, well, "It's Brubaker both of them. That. It's Ed- Brubaker and Rucka." <laughs> We've had this. Yep. Discussion. So Gotham Central, uh, Afterlife with Archie is coming after that, uh, which is um, Archie's zombie zombie epic. Um, Wormwood Gentleman Corpse for episode ninety-seven. Sweet. Continuing on the undead theme. All Star Batman and Robin for episode ninety eight, which um, I'm hoping I like better than the first time I read it because when I re- I read it when it first came out and uh, I didn't like it at all. I also didn't like uh, All Star Superman. I thought it was terrible, but a lot of people was that the to Morrison one? Mm-hmm. I read about half of that. That was I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Uh, Notice she didn't say good. <laughs> uh, uh, episode ninety nine. We're doing another Warren Ellis book, uh, Trees. Oh, nice. Jesus. Um, and then, of course, episode 100 is our pre- Preacher long read, where we will read through the entire run of Preacher front to back, uh, all 66 issues, 66, 65, something like that. Um, 73. I don't think it's that many. We'll figure it out. I think, I, think, I think it's only like 65 issues. Anyway, Preacher long read, because Preacher is fucking fantastic, and uh, we haven't talked about it on the show for at all, ever. It's, so. it's, it's in the top number one of comics <laughs> it is one of my favorite i wouldn't put it put it number one but i i really really enjoyed it so um it is definitely my number one garth ennis book that is my it's my favorite of the things that he's written i will be glad to to frankly to read it as an older adult because i started it when i was 18 and i was like ah, it's a little too gross for me can't do it <laughs> uh so i i'll be curious you, re- to you read it as trades then i'm assuming yeah, I read, okay. I think they're the first, maybe the I second I read trade. It, I remember reading it as singles, and I was like, maybe 20, <laughs> maybe what? maybe 19. I was I was young. Yeah, yeah. So for our next episode, we're doing we're doing the uh, the GCPD, the Gotham Central. If you have questions or comments, or if you've read the book and want to talk to book. us about it, you should read the book before 
uh, before the show. Um, and if you have questions about our interpretation or you want to participate in the show in any way, you can send us an email at tradesecretsatgeekerific.com. You can fire up a post on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at tradesecretspod. Uh, we're all also individually on Twitter and is at... And being tweets. Andy is at. Mathtastrophe. Joel is at. Super Philly. <laughs> Super. And I, Luke, am at uh, Geek Elite. Am at. Am at Geek Elite. Uh, Luke R. We, I'm, I know I'm on Twitter a lot. Anne's on Twitter a lot. Uh, Joel's never on Twitter because the blogs and the twats. Yeah, I'm hitting um, But, uh, yeah, send us questions, comments, uh, concerns. Uh, anything that you want to participate in the show to any one of those uh, particular forums. Again, we're doing Gotham Central and then Afterlife with Archie, and we'd love to hear your opinions and your questions about those books in the upcoming episode. Thank you, Anne, for coming up here for the show. You're welcome. Joel, thank you for coming out. You're welcome. Thanks Andy, for coming over, Luke. Thank you for lending us your apartment for the show. Anytime, buddy. Uh, this has been episode 94 of the Trade Secrets Podcast, and we are out. Don't the listeners like it when I tap on the table? Uh, you guys would have been uh, horse with uh, me. Jesus Christ. Please tell me you were recording Easter that Easter egg. <laughs>